All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. God willing, we'll be expounding verse 9 and 10 tonight. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Everybody should be there by now. In verse 9, the Bible says we're starting a new proverb. That's what's so nice about the Proverbs. You get a, you never know what topic you're going to land on. You know, it all depends on what comes up next. It's not like one chapter could or two chapters could be on the same topic, like Titus, you know. Solomon says, Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. The Hebrew word translated honor here, it means to be heavy, to be heavy. He's literally saying to make God heavy, honor the Lord. And when we think of something that's heavy, the more heavy something is, the more there is to it. Are you kind of getting where where Solomon's going with this, where the uh, the Hebrew language is going with this. Occasionally we'll be driving down the road. I'll be driving down the road, and I know you are too. And the same thing I'm sure happens to you. You'll be driving down the road, and you'll see something up ahead on the highway that's kind of large, and uh, you don't know what it is. It's too far away to tell exactly what it is, but you can tell that because of its size, It's something you need to be concerned about. So as you're approaching that object, you start checking your lanes around you so you can kind of, you know, go around it, you know, and and, uh, and safely pass around it without hitting any other cars because you don't want to damage your vehicle. But before you reach the road, uh, or before you reach that item, rather, in the road, you can see a car ahead of you. And they go right past it. They may run right over it. And suddenly you see that item because it's so light. You just see that car go over and the wind just whisk it up like that. And it just kind of floats back down to the ground like that. And uh, you realize then, hey, that's nothing. And you just stay in your lane. You ever happened to y'all? You just see it whisk up like that. Maybe it's a, a piece of plastic or or uh, or something made out of paper or something really light but it's not heavy enough to do any damage to your car so you just stay in the lane where you are because you know it's just going to you're just going to blow it on further down the road so while we took that object seriously a few seconds earlier we now don't take that object seriously anymore that's the idea behind the word honor here in this passage We are to honor God unlike the object in the roadway because we see that God is a really big deal. You know, back in the 60s when someone would say something really profound, Nelda and and Ann, their group back then, they would say, that's heavy. Isn't that what y'all would say? That's heavy, man. Yeah. That's what they'd say back in the 60s. And God is a matter of our heaviest consideration. 
our heaviest love, attention, devotion, and service. In our hearts, God should be the greatest thing of all because He is greater than anything at all. And so this idea is also carried in the New Testament. If you're taking notes, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Where the apostle said, our light affliction, notice light, light, not very heavy. Our light affliction, in other words, the affliction, the troubles that we face in this world is really not so heavy as what we would think they are. Not in, not in comparison to how wonderful eternity is going to be. It's really not a big deal, okay? Sometimes if something's really bad and you only have to deal with it for a short time, we say, oh, we can do that standing on our head, you know? And, and so you're saying, well, since it's just a short time, it's not a big deal. And so because... Our life on this earth is so brief in comparison to eternity. It's like a flip, if that at all. That what we go through, the affliction we have here, Paul says it's really light. It's really not that heavy of a burden at all. So Paul says our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And so the affliction we have is super light because we have an exceeding heavier weight of glory waiting for us in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see then how weight and glory or honor, same thing, weight and honor go hand in hand. Honoring God is giving Him the full weight of His glory. Not shorting him, so to speak, a single pound of reverence that's due him. That's what it means to honor the Lord. And so there are different ways of honoring God, of giving him the full poundage of his honor, seeing him as he actually is. And you can honor him with your praise. You can honor him with your service. But tonight Solomon is telling us, You need to honor him, look back in your text, with thy substance. Give him the full weight of his glory with your substance. Solomon was one of the richest men, if not the richest man at that time in the world. We know he was the wisest person in the world at that time. And that rich man said, honor God with your substance. And the word translated substance here in Hebrew, it literally means wealth. Your stuff is what he's saying. Honor God with your stuff. Your stuff can give honor to God and show that God's a really big deal in your life if you do that. So we should honor the Lord with the wealth we have. That's what Solomon's saying. And wealth comes as honor comes in different forms, service, praise, substance, Wealth also comes in different forms. Wealth can come in the form of silver and gold. Wealth can come in the form of livestock or agriculture. Israel was an agricultural society. So the law that God gave Israel, the civil law, it addressed their form of wealth, which by and large was agriculture. Ours is not. 
It can come in the form of money, which is the main form of wealth for our society. And the Old Testament also addressed uh, money, giving money uh, to the nation of Israel as well, because it was a common way of, well, you, you know, it's a whole lot easier to have a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill than it would be to have several bushels of corn or something to tote around. So money was a way of storing wealth in a very convenient, transportable manner. And uh, so whether it was precious metal or whether it was agriculture or livestock, Solomon says you are to honor God by giving to him from the wealth he's given you. When people gave to the temple and the priesthood in the Old Testament, they gave all forms of substance under the law. They gave their cattle. They gave of their crops. They gave of their cash. Cattle, crops, and cash. That's what they gave to the temple under the Old Testament law. Like I said, for convenience sake, there was actually a statute in the Old Testament law that allowed them to sell their crops for money. If they lived a long way away, God says, well, instead of toting all the your crops there, you can just convert it into money, and then you can take the money instead of the crops. And when they gave their money, in God's eyes, it was all the same of them bringing their crops. Okay? Because the money was a means of storing and giving the wealth of those crops. But the whole point of giving to the temple and to the priesthood was to ensure that the work of God was comfortably provided for. So we have to understand God doesn't need our wealth. But people sure need His kingdom work in their lives. God doesn't need your wealth, but people sure need God's kingdom work in their lives. When people donate money uh, to know I'm saved, they're thinking of people like Brother Candela and other projects we've done. They're thinking, I want to take my stuff and I want to honor God by giving that stuff, that substance because I understand that kingdom work is important. When you give money in the offering plate here, you're saying, I understand that God's kingdom work is important, and I want to make sure that it continues to go. When you see it as important, what are you doing? You're ascribing weight to it. Same thing in, the, in, a, in a jury uh, trial. The, the jury is deciding how much weight to give to the evidence. How much honor to give to it, basically. How important is this evidence? How should we consider this evidence? It's the, the gravity of it all. And when we give to fund the work of God, then that work is weighing with great heaviness on our hearts. We see the need for God's kingdom work here on earth. When we give to supply God's work, we're honoring God by honoring His program of ministering to the world through the church, seeing it as a very weighty and profound thing. Solomon said, honor him with your substance, look back in your text, and with the first fruits, with the first fruits, the first fruits are substance, of course, but this is more descriptive here, and with the first fruits. So we should honor God both with what we have today 
and then first fruits, as well as what we'll get tomorrow. See? And when people hear sermons about giving, they often bristle up and they rebel in their hearts. They, 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 they get a bad taste in their mouth thinking, money, money, money. That's all they talk about. The only time we preach on anything here at the church, no matter what topic it is, it's when we come to it in the Bible. That's the only time. That's what I love about verse-by-verse teaching. No one can accuse you of selectively picking topics or something, you know. But when we come to something in the Bible, if the Bible talks about it, then we talk about it. And so here we are, and we do so unashamedly. We do so very joyfully. And so while we're on the subject, I want to tell you that the only reason that people sometimes bristle up at the... uh, Am I cutting out here? Did they turn the sound down? Something changed. Test, 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 test. Test, test, test. Here we go. Turning, coming back up. Here we go. All right. Not sure what happened, but I think everyone can hear me now. But the only reason that someone would bristle up at the issue of giving money, I think the sound people were feeling convicted, so they turned me down. (laughs) It's because we have the wrong, oh boy, I tell you what, they're getting right with God now. (laughs) But the, the only reason someone would bristle up is if they have the wrong concept of wealth. If you have the wrong concept of wealth, turn with me, please. Just skip forward a little bit to the 27th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. We'll get back to chapter 27, but it'll be so long from now, you may not remember it. And we're not going to expound all of it very thoroughly tonight, but there is a principle here that I believe will be beneficial to you. Proverbs 27, look with me in verse 18. Solomon says, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. So I've actually got a fig tree at my house, a little fig tree. I've been trying to get this fig tree going for a while. We had the crazy, crazy winter that killed it off, and and then uh, the last winter killed it off again. It keeps coming back from the roots, and I've been told that if I'll just be patient, a few times after it comes back from the roots, it'll get hardened, cold-hardened, and then it'll go ahead and survive those winters. But Solomon says the person who takes care of that fig tree, the person who, like me, provides for that fig tree, waters the fig tree, fertilizes, takes care of it, shall eat of the figs. So I've been caring for this fig tree for a few seasons now. Hoping, caring, the whole time that it'll finally become established. And when it finally does, me, I, not my neighbor, but I, the owner, the one who's been caring for this tree, will be the person who rightfully gets to eat its fruit. 
Now, I want you to consider the lesson of this fig tree that Solomon's saying here. Whoever keeps the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. Solomon uh, applies the lesson of the fig tree to the relationship here in 27 verse 18 of a servant and his master. He's talking about the servant serving his master and then God honoring that servant. But the lesson that Solomon is teaching applies to our text tonight. Because as I have nourished and protected and provided and cared for my fig tree, so God has nourished and protected and provided and cared for us. And as it is fitting that I should receive fruit from the tree that I nurtured and so lovingly raised up, How much more fitting it is then that God should receive fruit from the people that he has nurtured and raised up, right? That fig tree wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for me toting water out there and everything when it first got put in. How much more would we not be alive, not be here at all if it wasn't for God? So in this verse, Solomon specifically mentions first fruits. And so now here in verse 27, he's talking about fruits that come to God. If, if you, uh, uh, he that takes care of the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. He's saying, well, if you'll take care of God, then God will honor you. You honor God, God will honor you. So if we honor the Lord, then God in turn will honor us back. First fruits. First fruits. That means the best fruits. That means the the first fruits that we have. Yesterday, I went out to my little blueberry bush. I motioned my wife to come out there because it's not the oldest bush there is and usually has little bitty blueberries on there and they're not really big enough too much to eat. But this year is different. Oh, we had... A few big fat ones out there yesterday. I called my wife out and I picked them and put them in her hands. I don't know what you did with them. Did you eat them? Okay, good. Because biblically I should, you know, be eating them. He that cares for the blueberry tree shall eat the fruit thereof. It's scripture. Now you can have all you want. But first fruits, they were the special fruits. All blue and beautiful so when we're talking about first fruits, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all your increase, which we'll get to here in just a moment. When we're thinking about first fruits, do you know what we learn from that? If you give to God first fruits, you're not giving God what's left over. You know? Not giving God what's left over. My my grandkids, when they come over there the other day, I took them out to the Blackberry. Uh, vines that we have growing in with our grapes. They complement each other quite well. And they were a little late getting over for the blackberries. Tammy and I then gone and got the first fruits off of there. We got the best there was. We ate them up. So, but there was some little stuff left behind. Some slim pickings, but we let them come, you know, get the rest that were off of there. It wasn't much. We got the first fruits 
they got what was left over. And so I think you see the idea here is we, we don't give God what's left over. Giving God the leftovers doesn't honor God. It doesn't show that he's a big deal. It can't. If you give your substance to something else first, then it shows that God then comes what? Last. Shows that something else is heavier to you on your heart than God is. I had a rent house once that I was renting out to a family in Jacksonville, Texas, and that renter was always late on his rent. He had plenty of money, but he'd pay me after he paid everything else first. In one month, when my rent check didn't come due, one month he told me, when I called, I said, Cass, where's my rent? His name was Cass. I won't tell you his last name, but it wouldn't bother me to. But I, I said, Cass, where's my rent? He said, well, he said, I can't pay my, my rent this month. He had to go out of town on a trip with his family. Going to a family reunion in Arkansas. And when he told me that, what was he doing? He was preferring his vacation over his obligation to me. He owed me money. He didn't know, he, he wasn't owed a vacation. He wasn't owed that. That wasn't uh, obligatory. But he did not give me his first fruit. He gave me what was left over. When we give God our leftovers, we're showing God and we're showing ourselves that we esteem other things to be more important than his kingdom work here on earth. When you're not giving God your first fruits, do you know what commandment you're violating? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You're putting, if you, if you put something first ahead of God, then you're putting a God before him. So, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, there's no other God but God, Brother Richard. Well, I know that's true. But you know what? What you put ahead of God shows what you honor more than God. So if you're putting something ahead of God, then to you, that is more worthy of your worship than God is. Honor Him with your first fruits, or you're not honoring Him at all. You can honor God by giving Him your leftovers. You're considering His work to be a light thing. The principle of first fruits. My giving uh, first fruits is we're going to support God's work off the top. Right? Off the top. And then we live based on what's left over. When, when I get paid at work or when I get a check here from the church, the I try to, the first thing I do, now sometimes it's different because sometimes I buy stuff for the church and we uh, that counts as my giving because sometimes I just have to pay some bills for the church. But uh, like paper towels or whatever. But if I get a check from the church, what I try to do as soon as I get home that Sunday is get on my bank and do the automatic bill pay for my tithe for that check. 
And when I get paid from work, I try to automatically go in there and put in the bill pay at work, which I don't take very much home from work. But when I do, I give it off the top, off the top. And then we live on what's left over. What we don't do is this. I don't say, okay, here's the check that the Lord just gave me from wherever, from work, from church, from wherever. Here's the check. So what we're going to do this week or this month, or however often you get paid, we're going to pay all the bills first and see how we do. And then when it comes time for the next payday, we'll check and see how much is left over from what we spent for that pay cycle. And then we'll figure out how much we can give God. You know, that's what most people do. You know what you just did? You just gave God your leftovers. You say, well, Brother Richard, that's math. That's what we have to do. No, it's not. If you will put God first, if you'll give God your first fruits, what did the Bible say? He that waits on his master shall be honored of his master. So if you honor God, then your God will honor you. It's that simple. If I can go to a fig tree and expect to receive figs, then I can go to a God and expect to receive my needs being met. I can. And so I thank God. I, I've, I've lived that way for years now, since I was in my 20s. With five, you know, well, not five immediately, but eventually five kids at the house. And I've lived that way. And sometimes at the end of the month, when I work for the state, sometimes at the end of the month, I'd be happy if I had $10, 15 $20 left over. I've been that tight before. I'd be thrilled. Oh, look, I actually had a few dollars left over. But you know what? God got His first. And you know what? I've never missed a meal. I've, I've had everything provided for. I don't lack anything. God's been faithful to me. I've waited on my master, and my master's honored me. You go down there to that nursing home, talk to Miss Hensley. Her and Brother Hensley did the same thing for years. Never missed a thing. You honor God with your first fruits. And you know what you do when you honor God with your first fruits? You're showing God, yes, you're even more important than I am. And God, I recognize that everything I have came from you. I'm just giving you some of what you've given me. We recognize God as the giver and sustainer of our lives. And just like the fig tree, he gets the fruit, and we place no other God before Him. This fruit, Solomon said, is to be, look at back in your text, of all thine increase. You might want to underscore that word, increase. The Hebrew word translated increase literally means to come or go. To come or go. And you may think, what is that, to come or go? When you get paid, you know what that's called? It's your income. 
it's coming in. It's what's coming into you. You see? So what comes in is your increase. Okay? And so uh, when, when we're looking here at increase to come or go, we're looking at your income, what's coming in financially to you. If we were farmers and we traded our crops, then our, our increase would be our produce that came in. You see? If we were business people, then we would call that our profit. That's what's coming in, our income. When your check comes in, God's work should be supported off the top of that check. And you should live on what's left over. It's your increase. And we were told to honor God with how much of our increase? All of it. So let's stop and pause right here just a moment. Your increase is your, again, your profit. If you own a business, in fact, someone asked me this question the other day. If you own a business, and let's say you've got 20000 in overhead for the, the quarter, or however, however much you're dividing it up, the week, the month, however much you're dividing up. You've got $20,000 in overhead. And after all of your overhead, you've got 50000 coming in. You, do, you, you subtract the 20 from the 50, 30,000 is your increase. That's your actual profit. Make sense? After you've, paid your, you've made payroll, after you've bought soap for your dogs and stuff like that, you don't take, I mean, you can if you want to, but if you're buying shears for animals and soap, and I'm going to use her for a little bit because Brother Doug gets hit with everything and he's not in business for himself. So if you're doing all of that, and fragrance, and little bandanas for the puppy dogs, and all that stuff. And you charge, I don't know how much, I'm just going to make an number. You charge $20 for some service to a dog. But you got $7 worth of stuff that you've invested in that $20 service. Then you've got $13 as your increase. Does that make sense? You would tithe off the 13, not off the 20 you receive from the customer. Make sense? Okay. And so um, that's what you do. Same thing. I'm going to go ahead and get specific here because a lot of people have these questions and you got to answer them when you come to the topics in Scripture. What's my increase? How do I honor God with my increase? Brother Richard, I don't have pawing for perfection, uh, racketeering job. I'm not a big wig like... Like the whites are. I'm not rolling in doggy dough. I just go to work. I, I just go to work. I go to the turbine place. And I get a check. What's my increase? A lot of people. And, and, and I'm going to tell you what I believe on that. Now a lot, a lot of people would say. Well whatever my gross amount is. That's what I tithe off of. I know a man who does that, a very honorable person, and that's a very honorable thing. They tithe off their gross. I do not tithe off my gross. I'll tell you why. I, I tithe off my gross minus 
a couple of things. Social Security. When they take Social Security out of my check, I do not tithe off of that. Uh, okay, I, I, let me give you a picture. Just easy numbers. Let's say I get a $1,000 check. Let's say they take $200 out of that 1000 to go to my Social Security uh, taxes, okay? So that would leave $800 left. I would then tithe like off the 800 instead of off the 1000 So, Brother Richard, you're shorting God. No, I'm not. Because when I start collecting Social Security, I then tithe off my check as it comes in. Make sense? Okay? And so I am probably end up giving hopefully more back than what I do, but I'll always be able to tithe that way. I'll always be able to, even when I'm older and, I, and maybe all I get is Social Security or all you get is Social Security, I'll still be able to come in and put a meaningful contribution in the offering plate as I'm having this returned to me. Here's something else that I don't tithe off of. If I have... We're doing it again, I think. If I have, can I, I want to make sure, and the reason I'm pausing, I know you can hear me. I want to make sure the people online can hear me. If I have, let's say that I want to uh, invest in my retirement, okay? As a young person, we should invest in our retirement. When I work for the state, th- they had a state retirement program. People like the Whites, the, the job I work at, uh, uh, at the courthouse and the church, there is no retirement program. You are your retirement program in, is re, in your res, you being responsible as your retirement program. So let's say that I want to invest in a Roth IRA. Or say I'm at work and I want to invest in a pre-tax 401k. Okay? If I take out... Let's say I take out $500 a month out of my check, pre-tax. If I have a $1,000 check, again, I'm just giving you numbers to make things easy. If I have a $1,000 check and I have $500 going into the 401k, I don't tithe off that $1,000. I tithe off the $500 left over, and if, if $200 goes Social Security, I tithe off the $300 left over. Okay. That's $30 out of the 300 that goes into the offering plate. And then, God willing, as the years pass by, the money in that 401k, unless Joe Biden and his group stay in there, because all I've done is lose money with him. But the money in the 401k, God willing, will continue to grow and compound the dividends and, and the increase as the businesses grow that they're invested in. That will begin to to get more and more and more. And then as I get older and I begin to make withdrawals out of that 401k once a month or twice a month, as I withdraw off of it, I tithe off my withdrawals. I end up giving God more that way than had I, assuming it grows, than I would have had I given it earlier in my check. So now I'm tithing off I'm tithing off my increase today. I'm tithing off my social security and off my 401k retirement savings tomorrow. Does that make sense? Because 
that's actually what's coming in. If it's going someplace that I can't touch it till I'm 59 and a half or whatever, it's not actually coming into me. It's bypassing me and going off into reserve. And so we'll go ahead and go here now and finish this up. With all the, the first fruits of all that increase. So that means not sporadically but consistently honoring God out of the increase He supplies you. I'm not going to say, well, times are good today, so I'm going to tithe and honor God with the first fruits of my increase. And whether you call it tithing, or whether you call it honoring Him with the first fruits of your increase, I don't care. But you honor Him with the first fruits of your increase, whether you're comfortable calling it tithing or not. But tithing was a good rule of thumb to go by. We know it's a good rule of thumb because God made it up. He came up with it. All right. So I use the tithe percentage. Or you can do more. Okay. And so not sporadically. You don't say, okay, well, times are good, so we'll tithe now. But if economy gets bad or whatever, we won't tithe then. No. First fruits of all your increase. When the fig tree bears figs, It's just going to be returning to me the labor, the water, the care, and the nourishment that I first gave it. And so when we honor God with our increase, we're not giving something up. We're simply giving back what God first gave us. The investment He made in us. Giving us life and breath and health and intelligence and education. And Solomon says, as you do this verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. You see what he's saying here? He's saying you give God your first fruits. You give him your income off the top. And so shall your barns be filled with plenty. You honor God first, and then God will take care of your needs. That's what Solomon's saying. When you give God your figs, the God who watered you, the God who nourished you, the God who cared for you to have figs to begin with, will increase your branches and multiply your figs. That's good, isn't it, Brother Doug? He'll increase your branches and multiply your figs. Your barns will be filled with plenty, Solomon says. Now, I want you to notice Solomon didn't say you're going to have to build new barns. There was a rich man in the Bible that tore his barns down in his mind and was going to build more. He wanted more than he needed. And that didn't work well for him. He didn't say, so shalt thou have to tear down thy barns and build bigger ones. No, he says, the barns you have will be filled with what? Plenty. In other words, you're going to have plenty. You're going to have plenty. Listen, I'm not rich. I, I, I used to want a lot more than I have now. I used to want a big spread and all that stuff you think of, you know. And, and, uh, and, and I could have tried to go that direction. But you know what? The older I get, I think, what for? What for? I've watched people. I've watched people go through these cycles in life. I like observing people. I've watched them young start off. They're making money and they start buying up land and all this stuff. And they start spreading out. And the next thing you know, they get older. They start selling off and selling off and selling off. And next thing you know, like the Hensleys did, they finally sell their house. And next thing you know, you're in a little room like this. And next thing you know, you move out of the body you have. 
and you give up all earthly space, period, and you go to heaven. That's what we're all going to. And so Solomon's saying, hey, get things in perspective here. What is the really big deal in life? What is the really heavy thing in life? It's nothing here. Nothing here is heavy. Because again, you start off a lot of earth, downsize some, a little less earth, downsize more, a lot less earth. You die, this is the only earth you have left, boom, it's gone. You're going to give up everything here on earth. But if you'll honor God while you're here, while you're occupying earthly space, the barns you have will be filled with plenty. You'll have enough to supply what you need. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This isn't Solomon talking about us getting rich. He's simply giving us the principle of paying the most important bills first. Our renter thought the vacation was more important than paying his house rent. But what good is a vacation if you have no house to come home to? Eventually, you know what he did? He talked his in-laws into doing a straw purchase on my home. You know what a straw purchase is? He didn't have good enough credit to buy my house, so he talked his in-laws to buy the house for him in their name, using their credit. A little while after that happened, I happened to be in Jacksonville. I thought, I'm going to drive by and see how the old house looks. The bank had put a for sale sign in the front yard. I guess he kept going to the family reunion in Arkansas and didn't pay his his in-laws his house payment. I'm sure that destroyed their credit. He lost his house. He didn't see the house as the most important thing for him to 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 own. He honored the fun and games instead. But if we will put God first, then God promises that everything else will fall into place. He says, your barns will be full. Look back in your text as we close now. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Barns and presses. Barns and presses. You'll still have to build the barns and the presses. You know what presses do? Y'all ever, y'all ever used a wine press? But you've seen it, hadn't you? You've got to work with a wine press. Any of y'all ever cared for a barn? I know in East Texas, a lot of y'all cared for a barn, right? There's work in a barn. You don't come home and say, Whoo, honey, I'm tired. I'm heading out to the barn. You don't do that. There's work in that barn. But he says, you know, your, your presses and your barns, he's going to bless. You know what really he's saying? You know, money doesn't just drop down out of the sky. He's saying you're still going to have to work. You're still going to have to plan. You're still going to have to save. But Solomon is saying, if you'll honor God with what you get off the top, God's going to bless the work of your hands. Honor Him with your substance in the first fruits of all your increase. And He'll take care of your barns and your presses. Man, that's just good wisdom, isn't it? That's just good wisdom. Real quick, I'm going to, before I close tonight, does anybody have any question about your paycheck and taxes taken out on what would be considered increase and what would not be considered increase? And again, do what as God convicts your heart. 
But does anyone have any question about that? Because if I muddied it up, I don't want it to be muddy. I tried to make it clear and easy enough. Anybody? Okay, good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for giving us income, increase. We thank you, Father, for providing our needs. And Lord, um, I just pray, Father, that you'll help us to see you as the heavy, weighty thing that you are. Help us, Lord, to never give you our leftovers, not with our time, not with our talent, not with our treasure. You said, honor the Lord with all your increase, the first roots of all your increase. So, Lord, if you increase me with time, help me to honor you with my time. Help me to put you first with my time. Put you first with my treasure. Put you first with my talent. And all these precious people here too. And we'll leave the barns and the presses to you. In Jesus' name, amen.